This podcast is a member of the Place to Be Nation family. Visit us at placetobenation.com, the only place to be in your pop culture world. Welcome to this month's journey through Voyages Unknown in alternate universes in our beautiful world of professional wrestling. Welcome to this month's vision through the looking glass. I am your co-host, Scott Criscolo. Um, I hope everyone uh, is having a wonderful September as we head into fall football season. Uh, my uh, co-host, and, well, I shouldn't probably spoil anything, so I won't say anything, because I'm not sure if he's watched the game yet. It's what happens when you're on another planet. Uh, but, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> well, I bring it in now. Good evening, Dave Hall. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. I'm doing well. I'm sitting here splendidly in my 49ers t-shirt, knowing that um, the, the Niners are 2-0 at the All start right. of the season. I am I aware wanna... of that one. <laughs> okay. Didn't want to spoil it, but yes, it's not often no. that David I could say this, but both both our teams, the 49ers and the Cowboys, are both 2-0 to start the season. Dave's team ended my team's season the last two years. So, uh, I'm sure I was we can bring some more heartbreak in a few weeks' time. Uh, we'll see. We shall see, <laughs> sir. Best defense in the NFL against your ninth-string quarterback who had a lucky three weeks. All right, anyway, um, let's just... <laughs> nah, anyway... Uh, we're two and zero, and crappy teams that we don't like are worse. Anyway, uh, Dave, always a pleasure. Uh, it is, it is great. Yes, this is our twenty fifth episode. This is actually technically the beginning of year three. Mm-hmm. Uh, we started our first episode in April. Uh, April, <laughs> start over, Scott. Well, we started our journey, Dave, in uh, October of twenty twenty one. Uh, right when we were still stuck inside, wearing masks, black, and uh, we talked a little CM Punk. Remember when he like was only with AEW for like a month? <laughs> <laughs> Boy, has shit changed in two years. Um, <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe we should consider. Like I, I was thinking, we could we could do a, a, a an episode. I think we need to look at what it might have been like had CM Punk actually competed in AEW. <laughs> What would have happened if he attacked somebody other than his owner, um, his boss? <laughs> anyway. anyway, we've had some great journeys. And for those that are new to the show, uh, if you're this, this is the first show you're uh, putting on as a new listener to the PTB Wrestling Network, welcome. It's great to have you. Uh, this is not an episodic show, meaning that unlike some of our other shows here on the network, like the Place B Podcast, Highway to the Impact Zone, NWA Crock and Roll, where those are chronologically episodic, th- this show is not, meaning... You could watch this. You could listen to this episode and the previous 23 uh, or 24 episodes uh, do not relate. So feel free. Please continue to listen and then go back to our catalog at uh, place to be.podbean.com or uh, or uh, any of your podcast catchers, whether it's Amazon or Apple or Spotify. And uh, and listen to our back catalogs. We've had some amazing episodes here on the uh, here on through the looking glass. And this month, 
uh, is the first audible we kind of called, uh, as Dave will will elaborate to in a moment, because um, this episode uh, relates to, uh, sadly, a couple of wrestling deaths that we've had over the past month uh, or so in uh, in uh, in professional wrestling. One, a legendary all timer who who just obviously passed away from, I guess, natural causes from what I've heard. But he looked like he had been sick for a while anyway. And then another one who passed away well, well before he was supposed to. Um, and we're going to talk about them tonight. So, Dave, why don't you uh, tee us up? What will be uh, what we'll be discussing this evening? Yeah, I, I think I think uh, your your introduction there. If you are a wrestling fan, and you would be if you're listening to this podcast, you, you probably know where we're heading. Um, it's not the first time we've sort of had an idea of where we'd like to go, and then sadly, um, fate has has intervened. Um, I remember, you know, we we did an episode previously on Scott Hall and and all that, but but yeah, sadly, um, just you know, a couple of weeks ago, at the time we're recording, um. The world lost um, Bray Wyatt, and then what was it would have been a day or two later, Terry Terry Funk uh, other way passed around. away as well. Other way around, Terry Funk. Other way around, Terry Funk Bray. died first. Yeah, Terry Funk died. First. Yeah. He died on a Wednesday, I think. And Funk he died and on, Bray went on the Friday. He died uh, Thursday. Well, Friday for you, Thursday for us. So it would have been. Yeah, so for yeah, for me, days. Funk died on Tuesday. Bray died on Thursday. So for you, it would have been Wednesday and Friday. Wednesday, Friday. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, just 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 to, and I think you know the big thing you know as as we allude to Bray White just so young um, young family it's it, it is it is tragic when uh, when guys pass away and and apparently from what I've heard um, it it was some issues to do with with a heart problem and um, yep. and and it was an issue that had been keeping him out of the ring and that he'd been working with doctors and and medications to try and. Uh, make his return, and unfortunately, um, yeah, he, he he passed away one day, and um, it's it's just a very very sad thing. And and as you said, Terry Funk had been uh, much older and had been ill for quite a while. I'm sure, you know, I'm sure he was planning uh, another comeback at the time of of his passing. Uh, Terry Funk known to 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 just continue making comebacks, but I don't think he ever had a, a final retirement. To be fair, like I think he. He sort of left that one, let that one slide, and he just sort of stopped competing. But right, yeah, it it is a shame, um, a great tragedy to to lose two two guys. Uh, one one a, a first ballot Hall of Famer uh, for, for the Hall of Fames. He's not already a part of, um, in Terry Funk and and Bray Wyatt, who I'm certain his career was heading in the trajectory that would certainly have had him, you know probably a shoe in for a lot of Hall of Fames as well. So, you know, it is it is a real shame. And and so today we're going to uh as as Scott's mentioned, we're gonna we've called a bit of an audible. We we did have some plans and some ideas uh of what we were going to do this month, but no, we've decided to just look look back at Bray and at, at Terry Funk and and look at a couple of what if scenarios for them. Um ironically Bray Wyatt was going to be one of the one of the guys we were going to talk about this month anyway. So it, um, it, it sort of meant that we didn't have to shift too far in, in direction, but uh, right. yeah, we're, we're going to have a bit of, we're going to have a bit of fun and, um, and, and hopefully um, uh, yeah, this is sort of our, our, our honoring, our, our paying our respects to, to, Correct. to legends of the ring. And um, right. 
Yeah, look, look, I feel I thought we might start with Bray because I think Terry Funk we could we could we'll be able to talk about for, for probably a, a long time. And I, you know, let, let's just let's just talk about young Bray Bray first. I I mean, obviously Bray Wyatt went through several incarnations uh, in in ring. Um, I, I I do remember his first appearances on the original NXT program as Husky Harris. Um, I have no idea where that name came from, uh, but obviously much more fondly remembered uh, in the uh, in the Bray Wyatt persona. And I, I've said this before, we didn't get the early early incarnation of NXT down here in Australia, and um, but I remember reading a lot about the Wyatt family vignettes and the white family in nxt and the development of that character and that concept and when they brought him up to the they brought him and luke harper and eric rowan up to the um up to the the main roster it certainly you know it was it was warranted it was it was there was a lot of anticipation around it because it, it he was something unique and i think that was what the appeal of the white family was it was something unique what were your impressions of those early white family days? Um, well, they were certainly unique. I, I when I first saw the Bray Wyatt vignettes, uh, which I think, uh, well, he they obviously they started in 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 FCW slash NXT uh, in July of twelve. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say, uh, I guess it would be late may of 2013 um we started seeing the vignettes and the first thing i thought of dave was oh my god we're gonna get a proper waylon mercy mm -hmm. uh waylon mercy for some of you who don't know was a wwe character in 1995 that was uh he the, the character was played by pro wrestler dan spivey um, he was kind of like, they called him an, a savant. He was kind of, uh, they said he was kind of, uh, shall we say, taking the personality traits or charisma of Max Cady, who was the, uh, well, in the original movie, it was Robert Mitchum. In the remake, it was Robert De Niro in uh, uh, Cape Fear. Um, was kind of, and... I like the character. I know my PIC, Mr. Azero, loved the character. But 1995 WWF probably went that, kind of like Hakushi, uh, that character probably went a little bit over our heads. So, uh, and I think the audience didn't really grasp it, so he died a slow death. And Wheel of Mercy's body was not the best of shape either. His hips and knees were kind of shot. So um, so when I saw the 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 vignettes and him sitting in like the Everglades or whatever within like a, a, a like a hut with the Hawaiian shirt on, I'm thinking, oh, we're getting kind of a Waylon Mercy. This seems fun. Uh, and then I thought, oh, this goes much deeper than that. This is much deeper than Waylon Mercy or any kind of it, savant thing. This is very, very different. And um, they debuted on July 8th. On Raw, they attacked uh, Kane, and of course, that would be uh, Bray Wyatt's first match. He would wrestle Kane at, uh, in a Ring of Fire match, which is another word for an Inferno match, at SummerSlam 2013. And from there, I have to say, Dave, I was 
I was intrigued, but I was also a little bit skeptical, not of him or of the character, because I knew he would take it to the next level because that's what he does. What concerned me was that, and it would be something that would kind of burden him later in the decade. Uh, I feel like these kind of characters that don't have that, um, that don't have that defeatable rebound, meaning he could come back from a loss. I feel like, truth be told, that he's the kind of guy that would probably have to stay undefeated or else the character wouldn't work. I feel like we already had guys like that, Taker and Brock Lesnar and guys like that. So having too many characters that couldn't be beaten, thus losing his aura, uh, would become problematic. So I have to admit, I was definitely a little worried that the character would be good for a while until he lost and then the character would just be another strange scrub um did you think that way maybe i'm being a little a little pessimistic a little cynical but i liked the character i thought it was cool i think my one of my favorite wrestler catchphrases of all time is follow the buzzards uh but I was, I have to say, I was like, oh, is this going to be one of these guys that never loses? And then when he finally does lose, he's going to lose all of his juice. I did think that way. And I'm usually not that cynical when it comes to wrestlers, but, or characters, but I have to admit, I did think that way. I think that the, the concern I had wasn't so much that if he loses once, the juice would run out. I think the, the way they brought them up, uh, the fact that Bray came up with Rowan and Harper, like they, it was, it was a, there was that group mentality, added a different dynamic to the individual who can't be beaten because the dynamic of the group atmosphere always added something more. The, the, the backup, the, the the ability to fall back on that and and be able to lay blame elsewhere uh, always helps. I think my fear was. Uh, I think what a lot of people were concerned about was you, you were bringing up this creation from NXT, which it, it was essentially Bray Wyatt's baby uh, in, in conjunction with the NXT coaches and trainers. And at the, at the, at the forefront of that would have been Triple H at the time, who, who that was really, you know, the, the formation of NXT was, was Triple H's baby. But we all know that, Things that Vince didn't create often had a very poor history and track record of how they were treated in the on the main roster. So I think my biggest fear was was more the the concept and the characters being diluted mm-hmm. and um, and and really moving away from what this you know what the, the foundation of the characters was and what I think was I think pleasantly surprising for a lot of people. Was that they didn't really they didn't really do that they did allow you know they, they obviously had to adapt the characters to the main roster but they allowed them to keep a lot of what made them unique coming up from NXT you know going for quite a long time um, 
we'll obviously get back to your idea of the impact of a loss um, very shortly because that's mm-hmm. where we're, we're, we're going we're gonna to head in yes. a moment. But yep. I, I I think that um, they had enough they had enough um, bells and whistles attached to the the gimmick that right. especially like I said with Harper and Rowan as part of the gimmick to probably be able to withstand a loss depending on how it was done and who it was done to, uh, which is going to be the focus of our conversation in just a moment. Yeah. Yes, we're going to discuss when losing and winning does hurt. But he ended up having a pretty good 2013, and it was building, and then he started getting involved in the middle of the Daniel Bryan stuff. Uh that was fun. Um, I thought he was a great heel. I didn't know a lot about either Eric Rowan or Luke Harper. Uh, sadly, of course, Eric Rowan is the only Wyatt family member left, unfortunately, uh, which is also very sad. Uh, incidentally, on a side note, I just I just thought of this. This is not the first time we are doing a tribute episode, per se. If you go back through our, for those that haven't listened, if you go through our back catalog, uh, I guess it was last year, Dave? Uh, yeah, last April, I think. It was either last April or last May. We did do a tribute episode on uh, Scott Hall, who had passed away. I think it was last year. Um, and uh, um, we kind of booked moments where he could have been world champion and such in his career. So check that out. That's on the archive, too. So just wanted to let everyone know this isn't the first time we've done a tribute episode at, at the last minute because of a of a of a passing. But anyway. Um, then of course we do get, um, the first time we go, oh, so this is what's going to happen. And that is at WrestleMania 30. And we'll, we, we knew we were going to get into this, Dave. WrestleMania 30, which was, uh, of course, took place 2014 down in New Orleans. Bray Wyatt took on John Cena. And this is, this is where I immediately found a problem, Dave, because, I said to myself, sometimes when you're the, you're the victim of your own successes, because the first thing I thought of was, why is it that the minute somebody gets red hot as a heel, they don't even have time, immediately we have to give them Cena. And then, you know, well, that's going right in the freaking stinker. Like, I think everybody saw it coming. And so I got to be honest. Everyone thinks it's a gift. Hey, you get to face Cena. No, it's, hey, I get to lose to Cena. And... Mm. I um I have to admit it it I mean we'll get into more of the details in a minute but everything that Bray Wyatt had done up to that point the feud with the feud with uh with Daniel Bryan and having him come in the the family and then elimination chamber uh that year we had that I think it was elimination chamber we had that Amazing six man tag. Oh, Ray. with the shield. That yes, was Ray, that was fantastic. It was awesome. Bray Harper and Rowan against uh uh Roman uh uh Seth and and uh Dean. I mean that match was was fantastic. And look it was and, and it's an absolute shame. I mean you had I mean that was the when you had the, the Wyatt family really Gaining a lot of steam, the Shield gaining a lot of steam. You've just turned the Shield babyface. Uh, that w- that was just a sensational um, 
match and um, really, really well worked. And and it's a shame, you know, just before we continue on the, the Cena track, it's a shame that they couldn't have carried that match onto onto WrestleMania and have either have it have held it at Mania for the first time or have um have had it like a rematch at WrestleMania because they they just they worked so well together. They really did and I it was an amazing uh chemistry and some people called it like a throwaway match because you know it was just a match. Well, I mean most people consider February pay-per-views throwaway matches anyway, I guess depending on your point of view or the year it was, but um I I was like, where are we going from here? I would preferred, if we're cheating a little bit as we look through our giant glass, I would have preferred, honestly, Dave, that six-man tag at WrestleMania. Yeah. Instead yeah. of adding all that authority garbage. Um, and yes, this is me talking about a Triple H thing, but the <laughs> like the Kane and the fucking New Age Outlaw, like nobody cared about any of these guys. Nobody cared. No. Yeah, Kane wrestling in slacks for Christ's sakes. I mean, it's ridiculous. Uh, and where they, where they wanted to go, where they wanted to go with the with the Shield and you know Evolution post Mania, you still could have done that after they faced the Wyatt family at WrestleMania. You still could have carried that storyline over. Yeah, I absolutely think you could have. You know, I, I feel like they rushed. They rushed. Uh, um, the John Cena stuff because they thought, well, hot heel. He'll get rewarded by facing Cena. No, he will not. No, he will not. And I think we got to a stretch where Cena almost became a curse, not a blessing for up and coming Mm -hmm. heels, because in the end, big John is going to get the last word. And, uh, obviously what happened in the prime universe is they wrestled three times in a row they wrestled at WrestleMania 30. They wrestled at Extreme Rules. I was I was there for that show. That was in Jersey. Um, and then they wrestled at uh, uh, whatever the uh, God, whatever the pay per view. Uh, let me see. Whatever the pay per view was. Payback. Yes, payback. Payback. Um. Uh, yeah, payback. And uh, so Cena wanted Extreme Rules because it's Mania. Uh, then, uh, Bray won at, in the cage at Extreme Rules, thanks to the mystery kid. And then at Payback, um, we had, uh, we had Cena win, uh, in a last man standing match, which was the second longest match of the night at 24-24. Um, right after the main event, she, uh, uh, the Shield defeating uh, Evolution in thirty fifty six, and of course we all know what happened. The next night, um, Seth Rollins turned heel and joined the Authority, which we will not, uh, uh, which we will um, get into on another day. So after Seth, after Seth, after Bray lost. Um, I'm trying to figure out like kind of what happened. Uh, well, he he just went. It 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 really like if you just take it back a step. It's it's 
he, I mean, he lost and and the complete momentum was gone. But I think the bigger issue was it was how he lost. Like he came out of this feud with Cena looking like his legs had been cut out from under him. Um, Cena, it just, th- this concept of what should have been, an ele- like you said, what should have been an elevation of character ended up um, hurting him more because Cena, it, it really came across as a burial. Cena, Cena oh, not, didn't, you know, over, didn't just win matches. He won, he won them in a way that was over convincing. He, he essentially was beyond the, the character work. So the mind games didn't work on him. And, Bray White came out of that like, well, what do we do? Where, where do we go now? Like you were saying, what do you do? He ends up in in some matches with Chris Jericho, and, and not that that's a bad thing, but you know, it it, it was a significant like, well, it, it sort of all stopped, and and then not long after that, they break you know they break Harper and Rowan away from him because I think they just didn't know what to do with him anymore because the scene at storyline hurt the 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 white Bray Wyatt character storyline too much. And you know, so when we when we were talking before about a loss, you know, does it does it could it kill you? I don't think it was losing to Cena that was the issue, but it was the manner in which he just was, you know, the character and the concept of Bray Wyatt got buried by John Cena, and then John Cena just moves on, and it, and they they didn't know what to do with him. Yep, I mean that the following month at Money in the Bank, they stick him in the Money in the Bank ladder match, which guess what was won by Cena. Uh, <laughs> so, and then you know, Battleground, he's actually on the poster. Uh, the following month, and he ends up losing to Chris Jericho, so it just started getting. Yeah, it just started getting it, – it, it took within a year, and then the whole thing just fell to pieces. Um, he he does come back and beat Jericho at SummerSlam, but I feel like by this point, the aura had been lost, and he, in the end, was just another guy. See, and I think that yeah. sucks, you know? Um, from that point uh, – I mean, he's still, let's see, he's not at, he's not at Night of Champions. Um, I'm going to go to his, I'm on Wiki right now. I'm, I'm curious. I'm, I'm, on, I'm on, yeah. It, so, yeah, I mean, September, Harper and Rowan sort of separate and go their own way. And Bray comes back into the ring at Hell in a Cell in October against Dean Ambrose. Uh, sorry, uh, in, interfering in the match between Ambrose and Seth Rollins and then goes into a series with, with Dean Ambrose leading to Survivor Series, and they they fight there. Yep. So within a year, barely a year, um, the family's broken up, and it's just, it's, it's unfortunate um, that it, you know, that it got to that point that he barely had any had any chance to find any real shine and uh you know i'm looking at like house show matches he's he's 
wrestling big show and he's losing a lot. He's losing street fights to to Dean Ambrose. He's in handicap matches where he's teaming with Kane. Like it's just ridiculous stuff. Um I mean he's beating he's wrestling matches on main event. I it, this is and this is like November December of 2014. Um I don't think he wrestles he doesn't wrestle a He's not on pay-per-view again after uh um I guess it would be was it Battleground I guess. Well um Yeah, I mean throughout most of the rest of 2014 he's he's just kind of floating around in uh you know, floating around on the both shows. Um, it just, it's sad. It's sad what happened. Yeah, um, it just, it just becomes meaningless and meandering work, which is, which is typical of what happens to a lot of guys in the company. And, and it yep. took a lot of work to rebuild him. It took a lot of work to get him back into uh, a spotlight role um, and to be accepted into that. Um, which which is a real shame, and I, I think it all it all stems back to what happened with Cena. And so, yep. what we want, what 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 I want to do for just a few minutes is is mm-hmm. just look at what could have been different. How could this have changed, and and maybe hopefully have kept Bray in a much stronger position. And and I think we just take it back to WrestleMania to start with. I think everything leading into WrestleMania now. As we said, it would have been great to have um, the Shield and um, the Wyatt family wrestle at WrestleMania. But I'm not going to go down that stretch. I want to propose a different idea here. We, 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 we come to this match at WrestleMania with, with this, this concept, uh, the Cena-Bray Wyatt first encounter. And part of the storyline was this whole idea that Bray was trying to bring the monster out in John Cena, and John Cena was trying to resist. Um, you know that 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 under that underworld element, that you know that you know cult uh, cult leader element, which which Bray Wyatt was sort of playing into. And what what I think would have been a better way to go is instead of losing to Cena at Mania, is I think you have this situation where where Cena is doing everything he can to resist becoming the monster, and it costs him the match. Bray Bray is the monster, and and whether he beats him down with a chair, whether whatever whatever the process is, he comes out on top. Bray wins that first match. Maybe mm-hmm. even leaves Cena line. Maybe Cena needs to be carried out of the ring because he wouldn't. He wouldn't take the step, and so Cena maybe gets stretched out. I mean, can you imagine that? How how well that would put Wyatt over if they're right. stretching John Cena out? And it could have been a full, you know, Harper and Rowan getting involved, and the three of them beat him down. Whatever you, you've got, this scenario where Bray is actually on top, winning the match. And I would even hazard a guess, like what you do with Harper and Rowan is you you give them the tag belts. They could have wrestled the tag titles on another match on the show and won those titles and, and sort of really put some put some you know emphasis on them as, as, a, as a team and the work they do. So Bray comes out of WrestleMania as 
you know, this guy who's just knocked over Cena. And we all know WrestleMania 30, that was Daniel Bryan's moment. Daniel Bryan wins the title that he should never have been in the match according to the the way the storylines were supposed to go. But he, he, he you know, forced his way in, got the win over Batista and Orton to win the title. And it really felt like they didn't have any plans. We know they didn't have any plans because it wasn't the original plan. And he ended up getting stuck with um, Kane. Right. So I'm thinking Bray comes out of Mania having this victory over Cena and Bray focuses his uh, his gaze once again on Daniel Bryan, the man who he tried to have in have was made a part of the White family against his will earlier in the year, basically just broke away, you know, so they could do what they did with him. Um Bray puts his focus back on Daniel Bryan. You don't leave the family. You don't break away. I'm the boss. I'm the king, whatever. And they go into Daniel Bryan's first title defense on pay-per-view would be against Bray Wyatt, the conqueror of John Cena. And between Mania and that 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 first pay-per-view, what, what did we say? It was um, uh, Extreme Rules. We don't see Cena. We don't see Cena at all. He's not on television. Bray is, you know, torturing Daniel Bryan, doing everything he can. We get to extreme rules. Bray is, you know, Bray is, you know, Bray and Bryan could probably have a a sensational match. Two young guys trying to prove themselves. Great opportunity. I think Bray White would have been an outstanding opponent for Daniel Bryan's first defense. And then maybe late in the match, the referee takes a bump, gets gets taken out. Maybe Bray has put Dan when the ref's out, Bray has put Daniel Bryan down. And at this point, John Cena makes his return. He runs out, he attacks Bray, gives him, you know, Takes him out with you no, know, maybe wallops him with a chair. Whatever, whatever Bray did to him at WrestleMania, he does back to Bray. Mm-hmm. He leaves the ring. The ref wakes up. Daniel Bryan wins one, two, three. Daniel Bryan gets the big victory um, with a bit of help, I get, but I think it's about furthering the storyline because then that refocuses Bray back onto Cena. They have their follow-up match at Payback. And this match could be, it could be a, 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 you know, maybe maybe Bray gets disqualified. Maybe Cena, something happens here. You might not necessarily have the clean finish, mm-hmm. but maybe it goes to a no decision. Maybe they they battle battle everywhere. People in a, you know, the 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 rest of the White family interfere. It, it, we get some form of no decision because I want it to carry on. Because then you've got Daniel Bryan needing to vacate the title. Mm-hmm. And and what would be, I think, what would have been better then, if you've got this storyline concept going of Bray having beaten Cena once, done something that is had no clear outcome with Cena a second time, of money in the bank, it's Bray who wins the title. Ray takes the title. Cena probably not even in that match. 
allowing you to have your blow-off between Bray and Cena at SummerSlam with mm-hmm. Bray going in as the world champion. You've built him up. You've got this, um, you've got this momentum behind him. He's he's had the big win at Mania. No decision against Cena a second time. So Cena wants that that final blow off. And this could be the cage match. This could be, you know, you, you want to keep Bray Wyatt isolated from the rest of the family. You don't want anyone else getting involved. And you know, and then if you want Cena to come out as the victor at this point, he can, and maybe he's got to become the monster to do it. And so even though Bray perhaps loses the title to Cena in the cage at Mania, coming out of it, he can still claim, I brought the monster out in Cena. He he had to he had to go down that path to do it. And you've got this you've got this man who's manipulating everyone coming out, maybe no longer a champion and maybe no longer undefeated, but probably with a lot more momentum behind him. Mm -hmm. What do you think of that? How do you feel that would play out? I I don't know. I feel like it's completely realistic because as we've seen, it happened in 2009. WWE decided to do something. We just, JR and I uh, are, I think it has dropped at this point on the place uh, here on the network. But when, when JR and I discuss uh, TLC 2009, um, and we talk about Sheamus coming literally out of nowhere to beat Cena mm. for the world title in a in a tables match. It is not unprecedented for somebody to get the rocket strapped to them within a relatively quick period of time if if it's felt that they have earned it. Uh, as entertaining as John Cena taking thirty seven back su- thirty seven suplexes from Brock Lesnar ended up being. I think Bray Wyatt is that early a champion and letting him hold the belt for several months, I think is tremendous. And I think by then, it would be almost a year later, by then, Bray uh, starts to get a little bulletproof. I feel like that extra five months of build, four months, five, between WrestleMania 30 and SummerSlam 2014 uh, would have been crucial for Bray to have built his bulletproof vest to where losing to Cena for the title at SummerSlam would not have been the worst thing in the world, as it would have been, as it was five months earlier in New Orleans when that vest had not barely been put together yet. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it builds even more suspense and intrigue going into 2015 because that I would not change. I would still have him face Undertaker at WrestleMania 31. Mm. But instead of Brock Lesnar doing it a year earlier, which I still think to this day is kind of dumb, Bray ends the streak. Mm. Now, asking you this, Dave, is that more unrealistic, do you think, than Bray winning the title at 30, which, of course, you, you obviously obviously you support because you came up with it. But if we move ahead uh, a year 
to WrestleMania 31 in Santa Clara. And Bray beats Taker while Taker still has the streak. Um, that would have been epic making. And by then, everyone would have definitely believed it. And I think Taker would have had no problem with it had they waited a year. I think Brock winning in – I still say to this day Brock winning in New Orleans – was a colossally stupid idea. Did nothing. I don't know what it made Brock that much more of a badass. You still could have gone to SummerSlam and had him kick the shit out of Cena and take the world title. Anyway. But that's just me. But I'm also a fan of kayfabe. And technically, I think Taker should have retired. Yeah. I, sh- I think he should have retired undefeated at WrestleMania. But that's just me. Well, I, well I, th- I think I think that you've got, a, you've got a good point there. Because if, if you don't have Brock... Take the streak. We've talked about that. You can you can go back into our archives, everyone. We've talked about the the streak and and maybe who should have broken it. And you can go yes, and listen to that episode later and then enjoy that one. And we, we've discussed some options there. And and, and at the time, Bray Wyatt wasn't one of the ones we we talked about uh, as as a key focus of it. But I think where we've where we've come to here is if if we have this momentum building Bray and, and like I said, you know, perhaps wins the title at Money in the Bank. He might only hold it for a month and drop it to Cena. You, you've developed this, like we said, bulletproof image. And so for the back end of the year, he can be manipulating guys. He could go into a feud with Dean Ambrose, who who had that crazy element to him coming out of the uh, the shield. And you could have really built something a bit more prominent, a bit more memorable between those two. And then you could have Bray turn his sights on, the take, on, on Taker. And if Taker hasn't lost the streak, then that match becomes really intriguing because you've got a guy who, yeah, you've got the personification of of death and evil and and the 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 underworld that was the Undertaker against a guy who is almost the a mirror image you've got a mirror image in the making in a guy who is also evil and manipulative and and master of the underworld and and you know while it's not the same character you've got that potential of hey Bray Wyatt beating Undertaker would be a genuine possibility here especially with Harper and Rowan still by his side he he has the ability to do it he's he's beaten Cena he's He's beaten, you know, he beat Cena last year at WrestleMania. Could he end the streak? And, you know, we know that um, a lot of, you know, a lot of the intrigue with the streak was, was was there a perception that the person he was facing, that Taker was facing, could they, would they be accepted as a winner? And I think, the 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 changing of these six months for Bray Wyatt that we've talked about creates a persona that you know has him elevated to a guy who could genuinely beat Taker and be accepted and and allow him to move on you know and if he's beaten Cena the year before he he not only maybe ends the streak but becomes the new streak like he he could almost take it on like well I'm the personification of the streak I've taken it away from Undertaker and I now hold it and even if it's only for another year you you could play up this idea that Bray Wyatt 
he could say, I am the personification of the streak. I, I, I've absorbed the aura of the Undertaker when I beat him. And now it becomes, well, who's going to beat Bray Wyatt at, at WrestleMania? And you could do that for a couple of years and, and, and have a bit of fun with that. And I think it would have, it would have genuinely been a very intriguing character to, to see. And, and then when you get to the point where you break Harper and Rowan away from him, you do it in a way where, they're trying to break the hold and the grip of the family, and it's it's launching them to that single push and drive that that they 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 had the talent for uh, by by breaking away from the clutches of of the head of the family. Very very similar, I guess. It, it creates a very similar vibe to what. What they did with 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 Jay Uso and and Roman Reigns breaking away from the clutches of the head of the family. Yeah, and you know he ends up feuding with like Ryback, and it's like oh god, this is such garbage. And uh, you know Ryback's the Intercontinental Champion. Bray keeps losing t- t- matches to him. Uh, he's losing to Cena. Like it was just it just got bad after a while. Like Bray just kept losing. And I know it's house shows and nobody watches it, but still it's just losing and losing and then he and then then the big one he does beat roman reigns at at battleground and that i feel like they tried but i think what upsets me dave in the grand scheme of things is they treated instead of treating this character with the reverence that it was meant to be the way it was created they just treated him like another bad guy like uh loses the big match Job out a bit. Oh, all right, we'll build him back up again. Then he'll lose another big match. Job him out a bit. Then we'll build him back up. Then he'll lose again. Like, I feel like he was not treated with the with the special charisma that he should have based mm-hmm. on his character. And um I think it was I think it was uh I guess it was this following year. 2016 when he, I believe he was approached to uh to go to WrestleMania and um face Brock Lesnar and that didn't happen. Uh Brock put the poobosh on that which I thought was kind of shitty. Um he wrestles but, but at Roadblock. But, but, but before we go on, but before we go on, yep. in, at that point, in Brock's defense, you just described it. Bray had been up, down. Um, he'd lost this. He, you know, they, they'd done nothing with him. So Brock Lesnar had developed this character of, you know, to, to face him was, it, it was almost that new Undertaker role. He, he didn't appear as often, but... When he turned up, it was automatic. You know, you wanted to see him. So you, you want to have Brock. Brock would be looking at it going, if, if they're bringing me in, they, they want to make it special. And I think they'd taken away from what made Bray special by 2016. So I understand why Brock's sitting there going, well, what's special about me facing Bray now? Because you've, you've killed his character. You've killed everything that made him important and special to now it's not special to face him. Good point. Good point. 
And Bray starts to, this is when he first starts taking breaks because I'm looking at cage match and now they're starting to get some gaps. Like he wrestles the road to WrestleMania. Then he's not at mania. He wrestles some matches in April. He wrestles a dark match against with, with the family back together now with Braun Strowman. Then he doesn't wrestle again until the SummerSlam tour uh, in the summer of 2016. And by that point, uh, you know, he gets, we get to, let's see, I don't think he's at Battleground. He, they beat the New Day in a six man tag. Okay, that's nice. Um, trying to get to SummerSlam. Uh, I don't think he was at SummerSlam. Uh, no, he was not. No, he was not at SummerSlam. He doesn't wrestle. His next pay-per-view is Backlash. He loses to Kane. Just like, really? You're losing to 2016 Kane? And then he kind of wobbles his way through the rest of 2016. Uh, that's when Bray and Orton start their little thing. And this is where we finally... or Bray starts kind of getting treated like a legit... A legit player. You know, he's working with Orton. They have this weird thing going on. Orton and Bray win the tag titles. Uh, and then, of course, we go to 2017. Bray wins the world title at the Chamber. And then uh, at WrestleMania in Orlando, he loses to Orton in the infamous LED cockroaches match. Um, <laughs> um, then it starts becoming a bounce around over the next couple of years. And then you've got, you know... Then the pandemic happens, and then he's the fiend. And uh, the fiend is a completely different problem, I guess. Because, again, now you've gotten a case of another great character that seems to never be able to lose. Um, I loved the fiend in the sense that I loved the mask, and I thought the packaging was put together. How could you, how do you think, Dave, unless you have a better, unless you have something on your mind, what, what do you think, could The Fiend have been a better, could have been handled better, was it handled fine? Um, uh, look, the, the Fiend was an interesting one, um, and maybe I never fully grasped where they wanted to take the character. I always thought The Fiend, it, it, it looked like they could have done I felt what they what they were trying to do with some of the early storylines was almost create this dual personality, almost a Jekyll and Hyde concept with him, where where the fiend and I guess it's similar to to the the Finn Balor demon character, but in a different way because they were it was an extension. Whereas I felt they were trying to create this idea of. There's this fun-loving, upbeat character that we know is sinister underneath, and then the fiend is this the real dark depth personality. I thought they were trying to get like a, a dual personality concept going, and when the fiend comes out, you know, look out! It's it's you know the the fiend is the fiend is even more evil and vicious and monstrous than what the original Bray Wyatt character was. That, that, that's what I thought they were trying to get to, which I think would have been really intriguing to let it play out and to maybe even see it pop in and out during a match. Like, you know, he, he, he's wrestling a match as Bray and yet morphs into the Fiend in the match. I, I thought that could have been really intriguing. 
Yeah. That, that's how I perceive the character. Whether that's what it was supposed to be, I don't know. But that was the perception I had. And um, and I thought that there was a there was a lot of potential for that because you didn't see that. Anyone who ever had a, a different character, like Finn Balor and the Demon, the Demon was sort of that extra personification and 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 he brought it out on times to, to compete in the match. Yeah, Mick Foley had the three faces, but you never saw them in one match. And I thought, could you imagine if, you know, he, he's in this match and he morphs. In the middle of the match, you watch him, you know, this metamorphosis of change of character that that leads to a different approach in the middle of the one match. I, I thought it had a lot of potential, but... Yeah, that, that's how I perceived it. Like I said, whether it's the reality of what they were trying to do, I don't know. But I think the fiend, the fiend could have been used again so much better. He had that that bringing in that depth and darkness that they they'd seemed to have gotten away from. I think really allowed them to to touch back on some of the earlier elements of what made Bray Wyatt unique and had a lot of potential. Again, they never really allowed it to play out to its best potential. It's the truth, and he d- he would end up winning the world title a couple of times in his career. Um, he was also the victim of Goldberg. What a shock! A lot of people were. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> um, I think overall, I think he will go down as one of the most intriguing characters of all time. Uh, mm-hmm. Seemed like a wonderful guy. Um, I thought I still love follow the buzzards. I think that's one of my favorite. I do think I regret probably because they were just always scared of blowing it, but we never really got a legit sister Abigail. I mean, we could say what we want about Alexa bliss, but I guess she was sister Abigail. I, I still, to this day, don't know what the point was. That's just, I did like, I, I, I did like the fun house. I did like firefly fun house. That was hilarious with the creepy puppets. I thought that was pretty good. Um, I, I think, what, I don't think Alexa was ever supposed to be, Sister Abigail, I always love the idea that um, they come out at one point. I remember one rumor running around that they they might actually introduce Sister Abigail being um, being Bo, being Bo Dallas. I know there are <laughs> a few different ideas of, of the role right. that Bo Dallas could play, but I always thought that would have been that would have been a bit of fun too. Like Sister Abigail was actually a guy. Um, and and yeah, the warp mind and 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 all that. It, it could have been a bit of fun. So, but yeah, I, I I never thought it would be Alexa, but I think eventually we would have we would have had a reveal of Sister Abigail eventually. Um, but sadly, what, that will never happen. Yeah, it's a shame. I I feel like uh, you know, I feel like um, that could have had some interesting. Some interesting um, scenarios as to her literally calling the shots. I think that would have that could have had some 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 legs. I think it would have had some staying power, but alas, uh, not to be. So rest in peace, Wyndham Rotundo. For those that don't know, he is Mike Rotundo's. Son, who was married to Barry Wyndham's sister, something like that, and named and named and named for for Barry, who was Mike's best friend. Yes, so uh, he was the embodiment of the U.S. Express. 
So, uh, rest in peace, Bray. You will you'll be very much missed, and prayers to the family as they continue to uh, to mourn the loss of uh, of a a guy. I mean, thirty six years old. This that's just it's not fair. It's not fair. Um, now we're gonna switch gears and talk about another guy who ended up having a tremendously amazing career. I did. I, I do want to confirm, Dave. I, I hate correcting you. It makes me sad. But um, Terry Funk is in the WWE Hall of Fame. Um, yeah, I thought he was. Like I said, I'm pretty certain he's in the yeah, Hall he of Fame. So. He went in that Texas class with Stone Cold and the Von Erichs in 2009. Yeah. He was in that Texas class. So, yeah, he was. Yeah, he, right, they went with Dory, didn't he? They went yeah, in together, yeah. didn't they? Yeah, they went in together. Yeah, yeah. that was, the, yeah, that was the, the Lone Star class with Stone Cold and and Steamboat and the Von Erichs and uh, was it Lance Russell, I think, and somebody else. So um, Terry Funk is is an icon. I mean, he he's a former NWA World's Heavyweight Champion. He's a former ECW champion. He's the guy that pretty much put them on life support on his back while the while the product grew. I mean, if I would be I would be very curious how different ECW would have been between 95 and 98 had Funk not been there um, to, to kind of be the face of it, to have a uh, eyeballs on it besides just the Philly, you know, the Philly knuckleheads um, because Terry Funk brought it to the masses. Um, he, he brought, he brought legitimacy to it. And, and I think that's, that's one of the key, key roles that he played is, Terry Funk to me was the last of the territorial guys in an era of no territories, like in an era of the big companies, the big three, WWE, WCW, ECW, with a couple of smaller companies around. Terry Funk was still the last of the territory guys. He'd turn up for a little while, do some things, and then he'd leave and he'd go elsewhere and he'd turn up, do some things there. Then he'd leave, and he he didn't stay anywhere for too long. But wherever he went, he was always in prominent roles, and he he was a featured player. And when it came to ECW, he was he was a guy that brought that legitimate element. He's a, a, a player in the business that was respected, and people would tune in because of him. Absolutely. It doesn't matter whether it was Crockett, Florida, Texas, San Antonio, you know, his own promotion in Amarillo. Um, it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. Mm-hmm. And to think back, his first match, I looked this up. Uh, I looked this up the other day. His first match. Um, let me see if I can find it. Yeah. His first match, his first uh, documented professional wrestling match was against Sputnik Monroe on December 9th, 1965 for NWA Western States in the sports arena in Amarillo. And Mm -hmm. his last official match, and I, I trust cage match, his last official match was a six man tag for BTW on September 23rd, 2017. He and the Rock and Roll Express defeated Brian Christopher, Doug Gilbert, and Jerry the King Lawler in Spartanburg, South Carolina. This guy wrestled on and off for 
almost, well, over, I guess, 52 years. Which is absolutely insane. And, of course, there's some legendary matches. uh, The empty empty arena match with with Lawler in 1982, I think, in Memphis. Uh, The Great Feud in Florida with Dusty, which has one of the most awesome T-shirts ever. Dusty sucks eggs, um, which would be re, uh, which would be reimagined by Eddie Kingston in AEW, where it said Claudio sucks eggs. Um, mm. I know where you can get that shirt, by the way. I know where you can. <laughs> there, you you can't get the Dusty sucks eggs shirt. I think the one of my favorite Twitter followers, Super Seventy Sports, actually has it on his uh, merch page. So, um. Now, he's won a world title, so we, we, we're we not – this isn't like a Scott Hall thing where the, he was – you know, because he did win the world title in 1975. He defeated uh, Jack uh, Briscoe, held the belt for two years, and then lost it in 77 to Harley Race. Um, I, I think just, – just before we go any further, I think, you know, we talk about the importance and, and the role these guys play. We've got to remember, you know – Winning the belt in 75, I'm this before my time, before your time, but knowing how the business worked, holding the title for two years, you know, show a year and a half, however long it was, shows that this wasn't he wasn't a transitional guy. He was given the opportunity to run with the belt and make it his own for a significant time, travel the territories, yeah. defend it all over the place. It wasn't like a Dusty Rhodes three-month, you know, two or three-month little stint which is basically just a transition or a, or a little you know Tommy Rich got it for a few weeks and you know Kerry got it Kerry Von Eric got it for three weeks yeah you know? it's not one of those little just you know speed bump title reigns before you put the belt back on your long-term champion he was a long-term champion he was he was and you know his brother had won it in 1969 held it for four years and he lost it to Jack Briscoe. So it's funny. The two brothers, mm. there was only one guy apart from them. Dory had it from 69 to 73. And then he lost it to, to uh, Jack Briscoe, who held it for two years. And then Brother Terry held it for two years. So that's pretty funny. Um, I had kind of heard of Funk before he came to the WWF in, I guess it was late 85. Um I do remember Funk uh, in the mags. I knew who he was because I remember my brother collected the mags and he was older. He's older than me. And I remember seeing pictures of the empty arena. I saw I remember the Dusty Sucks Eggs picture. And I remember an uh, a article, you know, in I don't know if it was the, the wrestler where it was. Uh, it was. Um, uh promoting and building up the match with Lawler in the empty in the empty arena in in Memphis. Um let's do a little let's go to let's really do the looking glass on this one Dave because I feel like I feel like yes, it's not like Funk we need to to give him world titles cuz he did have at least two. He was the NWA World's Heavyweight Champion and then of course at their very first ever pay-per-view uh barely legal on April 13th, 1997, Terry Funk became the ECW world champion. So 
He has been a world champion, so we're not. We're, this isn't like Scott Hall where we're trying to change history because he got screwed. But I do feel like there were, even in his latter part of his career, in the '80s, early '90s, before ECW, where I do feel like Terry Funk had an opportunity to add some lines to his resume. Um. So I put the ball in your court, Dave. Why don't, uh, where, where in history? Maybe the earliest point in history, do you think we can kind of tinker around and give Funk another opportunity somewhere or change well, it? Look, look, I think, you know, as you said, we, we, we talked about the fact he was bouncing around place to place. I first remember him in, in WWF in, in right. 86 at WrestleMania 2. Um, he left there not long afterwards. He he went into Japan and he was doing some movies, um, you know, sort of actually getting into sort of mainstream cinema. And then, you know, then I think we famously have him returning to a full-time prominent role in in '89, and and the the this, the series with with Ric Flair really puts puts him back on the map in a big way. You know, I remember when that happened, I was sort of like, you know, I had that feeling. Well, as someone who again didn't have access to a lot of history at this point, I've been following wrestling for a couple of years. In '86, I got into it. '88, I found the actor mags and started to become more abreast of what was happening around. So I only had 12 months of access to the, the wider scope. So here comes Terry Funk. I'd heard, I knew he was. Um, I knew he'd sort of done a couple of movie things. So that that feud with Flair really rocketed him back into in, into into the prominent role, mm-hmm. um, and and I know you're interested. So I, I think I think the best place to look at is 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 this '89 period because we've got the Flair versus Funk series, and then almost immediately afterwards he goes into a, a, a semi-retirement, commentating for a little while before he starts bouncing around the independent scene again. So. You know, here's this guy. This this guy's made the the big return into the NWA in 1989, and and quickly, prominently works. You know, is is viewed as a genuine challenger to the man himself, Ric Flair. And uh, you know, you 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 were mentioning to me that you you had some thoughts on on what could have happened between Funk and Flair that might be a little bit different. And I'd like to I'd like to hear what your thoughts are. Well. So I'm looking I, I, to give to give you an idea, as Dave had mentioned. So, uh, in out throughout '86, obviously he was with he was with uh, he was with uh, the WWF till it looks like about May, um, mm. and then he's gone. His last documented match was was Saturday Night's main event when Hogan and JYD defeated him and his brother, and then that's pretty much it. Uh, Flair goes down, Flair, uh, Funk goes down to Puerto Rico to wrestle for Carlos Colon. He ends up winning the universal title. He beats Carlos Colon, um, in a tournament final. I'm sorry, Colon beat him. Then they go down to all Japan. Um, and there's actually some legendary all Japan matches. I think one of them is actually on Dave, uh, Dave Meltzer's five-star list. I'm actually going to find it right now. Because there is a wiki page actually that has Dave's, um, Dave Mel list of Dave, list of pressure matches. All right, so um, I I need to mention this match to you, Dave, because I'm not sure if you know about it. Stan, this is before WWF. Stan Hansen did. Uh, Stan Hansen. Well, he's in the match, but Terry Funk does have a five star match 
in the history of Dave Meltzer and wrestling. And that was December 8th, 1984, all Japan in the real world tag league, him and his brother against Bruiser Brody and Stan Hansen. Let's just say, I don't think there were a lot of tope suicidas and, uh, <laughs> that, that, and frog five star frog splashes or whatever. I think it was just, I think it was just a ton of, uh, I think it was just a ton of, uh, Potatoes and meat. <laughs> um, so from there, uh, from there, he uh, goes to WWF. And then he bounces around all Japan for a while. And uh, throughout 87, he's, you know, he, he wrestles for Paul Bosch. He pretty much spends most of 87 in Japan pretty much mm-hmm. takes all of 1988 off because there's a gap here. He wrestles against the young bloods in all Japan on December 11th, 1987. His next documented match is actually in the AWA January 26th, 1989 against Gray Gagne. So it probably, I mean, 80, 89 is when Roadhouse was released. So in 88, yeah. he was probably filming Roadhouse. Yeah. Uh, good point. I, I, you're, you're, you're probably right. Um, then we get to uh, May, and here's something that probably not many people know. Uh, Terry Funk, on April 9th, 1989, at Center Stage in Atlanta, wrestled, it must be a dark match, a very young, unknown, maybe not his family, but he might be, Eddie Guerrero. Imagine watching oh, Terry wow. Funk wrestle a 1989 Eddie Guerrero. How about that, huh? It's kind of mm. nuts. So, obviously, we all know what happens in 89. He, uh, at uh, in May at Wrestle War. He's one of the referees of a match that we've talked about, Dave, and a match that I actually live watched, a pay-per-view that I live watched with um, Greg Diener, and that was, of course, Wrestle War in, in uh, Nashville. And that was uh, when Flair won the third match of the trilogy with uh, Steamboat. And then Flair immediately wanted a title match. Flair laughed at him, and Funk beat the crap out of him. We move ahead. Uh, to the spring, into the summer. Uh, Funk is wrestling NWA house shows. Um, he wrestles Sting for a few matches on the... Great American Bash Tour. But here's where we do our first detour through the looking glass. Because in our universe, uh, Dave, at the Great American Bash itself, uh, on July 23rd, 1989, Flair was wrestling Terry Funk, defending the world title. I would have had Funk win. Wow. I would have had Funk win. Uh, The only problem, the reason it didn't happen is because unlike Vince and the WWF, Crockett never did hot shot title changes. Never. And I think after Flair won in May, I don't know if they wanted, 
But I feel like Flair was a better chaser as a babyface and a chasee as a heel. So I feel mm-hmm. like I feel like they should have carried the uh the um pile driver injury to this show. Flair maybe does it uh Funk does it again, and I think Funk wins the NWA World's Heavyweight Championship. And I think that they carry that through the summer uh, and into the fall. Flair and Funk wrestle on a ton of house shows all across. I mean, they were wrestling house shows like fucking crazy throughout August and into uh, September, into October. And then finally on October, well, they start the, then they start the I Quit matches. They have a death match at a house show in in a Greenville, South Carolina. Um, at Halloween Havoc, they have the Thunderdome match where Flair and Sting took on Funk and Muda with Bruno as the ref. We all know the Horsemen win that match, and that's fine. Maybe it gets Flair a title shot. And then at Clash of the Champions on November 15th in Troy, New York at New York knockout in the I quit match. That is where Flair wins the title back. Why does, why does it have to be, or do you skip it here? Build it. Maybe you do this, Dave, let me correct that. (coughs) Excuse me. You build this and then we move ahead because after that, I quit match funk's gone. Funk does not come back. Until hmm. his next documented match is not until June 23rd, 1990. Yeah. He in, spends a bunch of time doing commentary for right. WCW after after that. Yeah. Yeah. He wrestles in Jersey uh, at uh, something. But I think they skip the I quit match. Maybe have Flair wrestle some hump in JTEX. And then at Starcade 89, instead of that fucking weird tournament thing they did, you have Flair and Funk in an I quit in the main event. And Flair wins the world title back. Mm. I don't understand why that couldn't have been done. I think that's perfectly yeah. cool. Oh, yeah, I think I think it's 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 certainly a reasonable approach. I, I, I wonder. I question whether I would have had him win the title as quick. I, I might have. I might have maybe had Flair win the Great American Bash match by DQ, but Funk just goes crazy. Okay, um, and. And then, and then, what you could do is, you, you know, you could build to a match at at either, you know, maybe you build it instead of having the Thunderdome tag match at Halloween Havoc, you build the some sort of gimmick match there, you know, a no DQ, a Texas Death, something that will favour Funk's brawling, and and Funk does something nefarious to to grab the title. And then he can have it for a couple of months with, like you said, with a rematch at at um at Starcade, and and Flair wins the title back there. I think Flair winning the title okay. back could comprehensively win. I, I just I just wonder having and and only say holding off the title change from Flair to Funk at Great American Bash. I only say that because. He'd only just won the title in May. He'd, he'd had three months without the belt when Steamboat had beaten him. And to lose, essentially, his first match back in the ring um, after that sensational series to 
with Steamboat might I just wonder whether how accepting fans would have been on it. Where if you if you bring out the funk is crazy, beats up Flair, wins by DQ, like Flair wins by DQ, but Flair's like, I've got to get the win. I'm I'm not that that's not what I'm here. I, you know, I'm not satisfied. You know, I might have my hand raised, but I didn't really win anything, you know. Funk keep beating me up. I'm still in the same position, and and so you've got that blood feud concept going with Flair, and and maybe the blood feud element gets too much from in the in the match against, you know, he's in whatever it is, a no DQ match. He has opportunities to win, but he wants to keep. He wants to draw blood. He wants to hurt Funk. He wants to end his career, and because he won't take opportunities maybe for a pin when he could do it, Funk gets a victory, uh, securing a title. And and then, as you said, then we get back and and Flair needs to refocus, to regain the title. I've got to, I've got to get back. I've got to focus. I've got to move beyond that blood feud element, and I need to need to make sure I'm here to win the match. And, and they can have a barnstorming match. They can have the I quit match at um, – yeah, that could be what it was. You know, he, Flair was trying to injure him and, you know, the referee might have been out, whatever, but he, he he wouldn't get the win. So now we're going to have I quit. He's going to quit. One of He, he will quit this time. I'm going to make him do it and I'm going to win the title back when I do. Mm-hmm. I, I like that idea. That's a good alternative. Yeah, absolutely. You don't want to you don't want to hot shot it too much. Uh, it's a tough one. It's a tough one. Incidentally, he does win another title uh, on... November 5th, 1990, he wins the uh, USWA unified title. He beats Lawler at the Mid-South yeah, Coliseum. Beats Lawler. Yeah. Everyone beats Lawler for the USWA title, though. I know, because you got because Lawler's got to win it back, which he does. He beats Funk uh, on March 11th, 1991. So most of the next couple of years, Funk is bouncing around Japan. Uh, he's in all Japan tagging with Dory. Uh, his first foray into ECW comes on January 23rd, 1993. He beats Eddie Gilbert in an I Quit Texas death match at Battle of the Belts in Philly. Um, and then this is where I think it's around this time the flair that uh, that Funk starts to kind of lose his mind a little bit <laughs> because now because now Funk now Funk changes turns the page and becomes crazy Terry the Funker yeah uh, in FMW in Japan on May fifth nineteen ninety three love the name of this match he wrestles uh, Anita the lunatic. No rope, barbed wire, current blast, super large time bomb death match. Wait, wait, way too many words. Um, he does win the TV title eventually. He beats Jimmy Snuka uh, in uh, in October, and he's in ECW almost exclusively, except for a couple of MTWs here and there. Uh, of course, the big moment. He leaves ECW and, of course, goes back to WCW in August uh, 
and joins the stud stable. Yeah. Arn Anderson, Bunkhouse Buck, that crew. And he's there hmm, pretty much till October. Um, they don't really, there's no real title situations involved there. Mostly it's kind of trying to get Dustin Rhodes over and they use Dusty and, you know, um, the stud stable is a good little faction with bunkhouse buck and Arn and those guys that, that Colonel Parker was managing. Is there anything in that 94 stretch Dave for you that you could have, maybe we could have switched to help funk. Maybe he wins the TV title or wins the U S title. Is there anything in that stretch that maybe could, I think maybe they missed an opportunity to really showcase him knowing what he can do, what he could still do that joining that stud stable, they really could have, um, could have used him to do something with Dustin. Um, yeah. You know, you've got the history with Dusty, and and he's doing stuff with Dustin and Dusty as part of the stud stable, but there's no focus there. And the stud stable, you know, it was about Parker, and I mean, yeah, Bunkhouse Buck and Meng and Arn Anderson, and and, and 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 sadly, you know, as much as I love Arn, that they're you know, Arn sort of brought the the feud, brought Dustin into that role. But can you imagine if they sort of did something where where Terry Funk becomes the catalyst, and they they do some form of you know, again a, a Texas Death Match, some or you know or, or a a um or a strap match or a bull rope match, something that was one of Dusty's uh, known matches. Correct. You yep. could have put Dustin on pay per view against Terry Funk in that sort of match. Dusty had been his corner, you know. Parker, Colonel Parker in, in Terry Fox corner and really allow Dustin to, to, to play the dusty role and to do what he was becoming good at, becoming that, that sympathetic baby face who the crowd could get behind and continue to build up that legacy of, of, you know, you know, walking, uh, you know, walking in his father's shadow, trying to get out of his father's shadow in the right way. They did it as the good guy trying to, you know, reflect and, and do that. I think it would have been a great opportunity to have a, a, a magnificent pay-per-view match between Dustin and Terry Funk in, uh, yeah, you could have done that in mid to late 94. Um, Dustin was was on the way up and it would, you know, it would be a catalyst to perhaps prepare Dustin for, for the next step. He, he didn't take the next step because of the arrival of other people. But, um, you know, Dustin could have really been positioned following a, a little feud with Terry as as perhaps the next the next step for him is a shot at the world title. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, Funk is the kind of guy that you want to use in those situations. He has the gravitas. And uh, I feel like they just kind of used it as a group thing and not as a focusing Terry Funk as the face of the stud stable. So when he leaves WCW in late 94, he goes back to, he wrestles for IWA Japan. And, and now that's the, that's the famous, that's the famous death match, death match tournament and death match series with, with, uh, with Mick Foley. Yes. That, uh, let's see, uh, that starts happening in the beginning of 95 uh, he does win another title. He's the NWC heavyweight title, whatever that is. He beats, uh, he, oh, it's a tournament, I guess. Uh, he, he loses to Sabu. Uh, 
when we get to the death matches, he wrestles. There is a match he wrestles for NWA New Jersey against uh, t- uh, Abdul the Butcher. Um, could you imagine yeah. those matches? Good grief. So the big tournament that uh, that Dave is referring to took place on uh, August 20th, 1995. Uh, the show was called IWA Japan Kawasaki Dream at the Kawasaki Stadium. It was a tournament. Uh, in a, in the quarterfinal, a barbed wire board and chain match. He beat Leatherface, which I think many consider is that is Leatherface uh, the former. That's that's the former uh, Cor- Corporal Kirshner, right? I think so. Uh, I'm going to confirm that before I put my foot in my mouth, but I'm probably right. Um. Let me see. I am pretty sure that uh, let me find core because I want it's going to bother me. So I need to look at it now. That's as everyone knows, that's kind of what I am. Uh, so, by the way, that Corporal Kirshner, he passed away in 2021. Remember, he died like three times. Mm. Uh, yeah. Yes, he wrestled in IWA under the name Leatherface. Yeah. Um, that's right. He reportedly died in 2006, um, but it was announced Six days later, he was still alive. But then he did die just two years ago of a heart attack at the age of 64. So, um, yeah, so that is that is uh, that is Corporal Kirchner is Leatherface. Then in the semifinals, in a barbed wire board and glass match, he beats Tiger Jeet Singh. And then in the match that everybody knows and keep an eye out. In October on the Place Be podcast, because something may be going on involving this match. Just keeping that in your head. The no ropes, barbed wire, exploding barbed wire boards, and exploding ring time bomb death match. Cactus Jack. <laughs> is that, I mean, Jesus, Dave, is there anything more they could have added? <laughs> Nuclear bomb. Um, and well, there's no mention of thumbtacks in there, and we all know that Cactus loves thumbtacks. So. And, and uh, ca- yeah, exactly. Uh, in 13 minutes and 21 seconds, uh, Cactus beats Funk. And, of course, from that night, those two would become uh, lifelong friends. Um, and I think this is where I'd like to sort of probably take our next our next journey through the, sure. through, the through the looking glass because – yeah, this is famous, and yeah, we, we've all heard the stories. And Foley, you know, Foley yep. returned home from the trip with a burned arm, and and all that sort of thing. Yep. But but Mick Foley in his book and and in subsequent interviews has talked about the fact how when he was in WWF in you know if we, we, we jump ahead to WWF in sort of ninety six ninety seven and and the and the the movement towards WrestleMania fourteen. Mick Foley has talked about the fact that he pitched an idea to Vince McMahon to have a series of death matches with Terry Funk in WWF culminating at WrestleMania 14. Mm. Uh, instead, what we got was we got the arrival of Chainsaw Charlie and and the, 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 the concept of the two ended up feuding with each other never came about and, and – you know, the rest is, you know, WWF attitude history. But I'd love to look at the idea of, you know, what it might have looked like if 
this did happen. If yeah, maybe not so much to to the super extreme, but if we look at that nine late ninety seven early ninety eight time period, bringing Terry Funk in, yeah, I think you could picture you know Mick you know, Mick Foley has been a babyface for a little while now. Um, you know he's he's had the he's had the series of matches with with um, Triple H. Mm-hmm. Um, he's He's been. Um, uh, we, we've seen the arrival of um, Dude Love. We've seen that sort of series go go forward. We've seen the return of Cactus Jack against um, Triple H, and and so we we come to that late end of the year, and 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 the, the idea was that Terry Funk came in to assist Cactus. In, in in battles with the New Age Outlaws. So I, I'm picturing if we want to build to a match with uh, between Foley and Funk at, at WrestleMania 14, I think it would be you, – you start from that point. Cactus comes in, Terry Funk – sorry, that Chainsaw comes in, Terry Funk, and perhaps they meet the New Age Outlaws at that Royal Rumble in 97. Not – instead of having um, – Instead of having that match with with LOD, perhaps it's with with Cactus and Chainsaw, and and maybe something happens in the match. You know, Chainsaw accidentally knocks Cactus out with with a, with a chair or a bin or something like that, and and the Outlaws get the win, which leads you then a bit more into that that one versus two moment in the Royal Rumble where them actually battling each other seems. To have a little bit more meaning to it because they've just lost a match together and, and one of them has cost the other one the match. So when they right. when they come into the ring and start pounding each other with with you know chairs and and garbage cans and all that, there's a little bit more oomph and meaning to it. Uh, probably leading to you know mankind eliminating Bunker. I think you know you, you can then continue the whole three faces of Foley through the rest of the Rumble, and that storyline can remain intact. But but the next night, Chainsaw Charlie and Terry Funk start arguing. Start, you know, there's that disagreement. You, 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 what did you do? You cost me. I brought you in to help me, and you, you know, Mick, Mick can be. You, you, you cost me, you know, this, the thing. And, and, and they start genuinely, you know, Wanting to actually let, let's 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 settle this in the ring. Let's settle this with 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 a match, you know, with what we're known for. No, you know, no, no DQ, whatever it is. You, you start off small. Or they go in right. and have a match. It ends in a double DQ because they both start bringing toys into the ring, beating each other up, and and the ref calls for the bell. And we have a match on Raw. No, no contest. They've been beating each other up. And that maybe over the next couple of weeks, something that, that they just have a, one match after the other. It's just like, well, we had no result last week. We're going to go again this week. And this week it's, you know, maybe it's a no DQ match. And so instead of, you know, instead of a match ending, you know, having a result in the ring, then they just battle down the aisle. So it's no DQ, but they get counted out. So <laughs> the following week we go, well, no DQ, no count out. Okay, and so maybe in this case we end in a no contest. You know, they they both lying on the ground, unable to get her. Who knows? You you just you build and add something to it each week. Then you can have them face each other off at um uh at uh, no way out of Texas. 
Right. You could have them meet each other there in, again, you're building the gimmick each time. Um, and, and this time maybe, you know, um, Foley, Foley gets the win, but, you know, it's it's a little fluky. Who, who knows? Something's not quite right about it. And, or, or, or maybe, you know, maybe he loses because he doesn't want to, Put the put the final annihilation into funk. You know, the he, he's going to wallop a, a a funk maybe with his you know hands cuffed behind his back or whatever, and he he refuses to do it, and he uncuffs him, and then funk wallops him, and and gets the victory. You know, funk does what it takes to get the victory, and then they can start build. Then then you've got this momentum. You know, they had some battles. They can't do it. Cactus had the opportunity to win the match, but he he wouldn't lurch into that dark side yet. Like, are we getting back to the dark side? We're coming back to Bray here. Um, we're getting back to that dark side element. And so leading into Mania, then it's like that big death match of some sort, you know, not, not exploding ring or whatever, but something that sits in the confines of acceptability to the World Wrestling Federation at the time. but. It's all about I've got to I've got to if I'm going to beat Terry Funk I've got to unleash everything I've got to come at him with everything I've got almost reminiscent of what they did later in the in the year with um, the the Mick Foley Terry Funk match where Foley regains the number one contendership because he's got to beat <laughs> beat his best friend within an inch of his life except you don't have McMahon pulling the strings here. Funk's beckoning him and baiting him to do it, and and Foley is in his interviews realizing he's got to tap in. He's gonna he's gonna unleash every element of of the the King of the Death match, you know. And 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 then at Mania they go for it, and they just have this massive wild brawl with weapons and blood and all sorts of chaos. Foley gets the win, puts. Puts Funk down, he gets the win, and you've got a foundation then for why Vince McMahon would want Mick Foley, Mankind, Dude Love, whichever character comes out, you've got an element, uh, a legitimate foundation of, well, Vince wants this guy because this guy just destroyed his best friend at WrestleMania. He might be able to take down Steve Austin. Mhm. Oh. I think uh I think Stone Cold would have been he probably would have marked out at that to be able to have a feud with uh to be able to have a feud with uh uh with Funk. I like that. I think you know what's funny Dave about that? I feel like if the Attitude Era was a little older Vince would have gone for that. I think he was just kind of scared at, at at the unknown. Yeah. Oh, because I agree. I, totally. I think he wasn't sure what the Attitude Era was going to be or how he was going to execute it, which is why um, I think he wouldn't have gone that far. Uh, I agree with you. I think it would have been awesome. Um, I didn't like the one-night vacate of the tag team titles. I thought that was dumb. And I love, look, I, no one loves the new age outlaws more than I do, but I thought that was kind of stupid 
But I know they did that to kind of reboot, you know, because Sean leaving and all that. And the next night they had to, you know, fix all that crap. And so they had to pretty much reboot DX, which is why they did that. Um, but you can reboot DX without without having um, Mick Foley and Terry Funk as a part of that storyline. You can true. reboot DX and, and the Outlaws with any tag team in the division, really. True. No, I agree. You're right. Probably the, the Nation. Because that was how the feud was going is throughout the rest of the mm. spring into the summer of 98. That's kind of what they were doing. Uh, I like that. I like that, Dave. I like that a lot. I think I think that would have been fun. I think if. Uh, I think if. Um, if. Vince had pulled the trigger on that, I think we could have had. Probably a pretty cool. Um, pretty cool stretch of matches, I think would have legitimize the WWF as at that moment as something, you know, not just the boobs and the swearing and all that kind of crap, but we could have had some really fun violence. Mm. And if you have Terry Funk, you know, it's not made up or contrived. So, um, and then he leaves WWE late 98 puts us around for another year doing some Japan stuff, and then he ends up in uh, WCW for what would be their last year, and it was just a lot of crap. There was one Ric Flair, there was one Ric Flair pay-per-view match. I think it was New Blood Rising, maybe, or one of those. Um, he wrestles Flair um, at a, at a, on a pay-per-view. Um, let me see. I think it was more, oh, Super Brawl. He wrestled, he wrestles Flair at Super Brawl in, in a, you know, bunkhouse fight or something. Um, Spring Stampede, he wins the hardcore title, which of course was, they were trying to justify that. He, uh, beats Norman Smiley and Ralphus. I mean, what the fuck? In a, <laughs> in a, at Slambury, um, he eventually loses to Norman Smiley. Well, the franchise had won it, and then so he bounces around. He wins the the title. He does win the uh, he does win the U.S. title for one day at a house show. He beats Lance Storm, and then Lance Storm beats it back. Wins a hardcore title back, and then pretty much when WCW dumped Flair uh, Funk, pretty much kind of calmed down. He would wrestle matches in XWF. Goes back to Puerto Rico. He's like all over the place here. MLW yeah. King of Kings. And then, of course, he starts winding down 03, 04. He wrestles some matches in 05, 06. Of course, he goes into the Hall of Fame in 2009. And then eventually his last match is the match I mentioned, the six-man in Spartanburg, South Carolina in 2017. So I think we found some interesting... I think we found some interesting uh, opportunities, Dave, in an alternate universe mm. to, give, to, to give Terry Funk maybe a couple of more chances to be a champion or 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 be in the in the spotlight um i wouldn't have probably changed anything in ecw i think his ecw run was fine he wins the yeah. title at barely legal him and uh him and uh uh sabu have that ridiculous barbar match where they're picking barbs out of each other's crotches uh that, that was unnerving um so i i wouldn't touch uh i wouldn't touch his ecw run but just to recap, what we 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 gave him a world title shot and and made him world champion in two thousand in nineteen eighty nine. Uh, we gave him some extra shine in nineteen ninety four to maybe help put over 
um, Dustin Rhodes. Um, and then Dave comes up with an amazing run of just pure violence, not only to help Cactus Jack or McFoley, but to um, put over the WWE or the WWF at the time as a as a new direction as they're battling WCW in the Monday Night War. Um, I hope we did this. I hope we did this justice. I hope we did everybody proud because we love uh, Terry Funk and we love Bray Wyatt. We miss them terribly. Um, so we thought we'd give them a little bit of extra shine and, and give them tribute. This one was a little tougher than Scott Hall because, well, Bray Wyatt had his opportunities. We, um, we, we came up with some good alternate opportunities, a lot of good ones. Uh, Terry Funk, again, he already had a great resume and he's in the Hall of Fame. So we just wanted to give him a couple extra lines on his resume. Uh, but it wasn't like Scott Hall, Dave, where we did the Scott Hall episode for a guy who never won any world titles and tried to find slots, particularly in that dark cloud of 1995 WWF. Uh, there could have yeah. been an opportunity for him. So we hope you enjoyed this episode, everybody. Uh, something a little different for all of you. Um, Dave, where can everyone find you? Um, you can reach out to me through Facebook, everyone. Love to hear from you. Um, I'm, I'm Dave Hall on Facebook. Uh, you can uh, send me a personal message. You can pop messages in the, uh, in the various threads for, for, the, for the episodes. Um, and you can also hear me over on uh, the North-South Connection on the Cronoso uh, podcast. Drops fortnightly. And uh, we've just dropped the second part to our Survivor series not so um to our Saturday night's main event uh yes. episode that was yep. two parts so that's uh that's just dropped and uh in a couple of weeks time you will hear Survivor series 1988 so check that nice. out uh, the the uh the the slew of characters that you hear on a on a fortnightly basis on the the Cronoso. Mm. Wonderful. Yes. Uh Dave bounces around the place to be a uh, group page. He's in the place to be nation uh group itself uh you know we post the shows all the time so he's always floating around obviously you can follow me on twitter at scott c podfather but please follow the brand on twitter at ptbn wrestling that one's just so important we post uh uh we post um uh the podcast i do the uh wrestling time travel where every day i put in uh what shows happened in history on this date what big pay-per-views wwe wcw ecw impact uh, New Japan Ring of Honor. Um, we did a poll. It's now closed. But uh, I did a poll um, uh, for myself and Greg Diener for for the September episode of uh, Wrestle Tracks. We put a poll up of what we should do for a show. Um, I'm not going to spoil it because I think the, poll's, the poll is closed. I shouldn't say a thing because I did it. But... Um, we were, were choosing between Fall Brawl 1994, In Your House, Mind Games 1996, and uh, Unforgiven 2000. So, pull um, up on the Twitter page uh, for what uh, month-themed show Dave and I, uh, Greg and I are going uh, to do. So, um, But stay with here, the PTB Wrestling Network. We are the OG we give you the best in classic wrestling content. We also do a couple of new things. Of course, Place Me Nation's main event, the NWA Saturday special, which includes now impact uh, analysis and recaps. 
so many great things. Be stay with us. We always entertain you. We always have a lot of fun. Uh, join us in October for something. Dave and I aren't sure yet. Might we're, we haven't done a mailbag in a while, so we might kick a mailbag idea around. Um, hmm. We'll see. But we are. And, and, and if you've got just on that, if you've got ideas, um, we'd love to hear from you. Drop drop us a line because we are looking at doing a mailbag soon. Whether it's next month or the one after, drop us a, drop us some thoughts. What what are some uh, what are some what if scenarios? What are some uh, looking glasses that little rabbit holes you'd like us to jump down? Uh, perhaps you, you you'd like to hear some thoughts on uh, on on you know on maybe you know Charlotte Flair meeting a father in the ring. I don't know. We're just just ah. throwing out. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, um, yeah. No, we, we'd love to we'd love to hear um, what you'd love to hear. So drop us a line. Um, Send uh, send either one of us a message. Put it on, pop it on Twitter or on uh, on one of the the, the posts, and um, we'll add it to the mailbox list and uh, yes. the mailbox for, for when we do that. Yep. In fact, if Dave and I decide to officially do it and think about it, maybe I will put up a dedicated uh, thread on the place to be page for people to put what if scenarios. So it may not be this month. It could be in November. It could be January. Who knows. But when we decide to do a our next mailbag episode, uh, I will create a a, a post thread in uh, in the group page, the uh, place to be group page, and, and please give us all of your you, you you guys did gave us some awesome ones when we did our last one last year. Uh, I think we're due for another one. So um, anyway, thank you. It's always a pleasure to be here and entertain you with our wrestling nonsense because that's what we do best. So Dave, you're the best. Thank you from the other side of the globe. Go Niners. And he'll say, go. he, he may not say go Cowboys. I don't know. Maybe he will. Maybe he won't. I'm usually a better diplomat. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No. Uh, anyway, uh, everybody have a wonderful rest of your September. And we look forward to the October journey. <laughs>